day we're living in. What a wonderful time to serve the Lord. I am thankful that I'm in the church. If you feel that way, say it with me. I'm thankful that I am in the church. Amen. Well, things are starting to loosen just a little. And let me tell you what we're going to do. I hope everybody's listening. I hope everybody's paying attention. Uh, this is what Life Church Tyler is going to do. Um, the governor has allowed us, um, I think, to open up to 25% capacity. And our building will seat approximately 200. And we're just going to keep it down around 30. Uh, five to 38 people this first Sunday. Try it out, see how it goes. But what I want you to do, now don't everybody panic. Everybody's not going to get to come. But uh, what I would like for you to do is think about what I'm saying before you make the call. What we're going to do this Sunday, our praise team is going to come. Uh, it's normally seven, eight people. And we're going to allow 30 other people to come. And what I want you to do before you get excited, to understand that you've got to wear your mask. And I know it's going to be difficult. You ought to try preaching to a bunch of balloons. And uh, you ought to just be, be here teaching to five or six people. It is difficult. I know it's different. It's going to be very different. And difficult for me to preach to people with their mask on. I don't. I won't know if you're mad at me. I don't know if you're a robber going to try to get my money. I don't know what I'm going to think while I'm watching people with their mask on worship God. But our governor, governor has asked us to do that, and we're going to comply. So we're going to allow Brother Cruz is our music director, and he knows who our team is for our music, and because of that, I'm going to let you call him. Get a pen and paper. Most of you have his number, but let me give it to you anyway. His number is 903-830-2284. It's on the website. It's on the phone directory uh, that we have set up on the web uh, you should have it anyway. Most of you should. Anyway, there's the number. The first 30 people that call him, and you've got to talk to him. We can't just have you call and leave a message. You've got to call, leave a message. He'll call you back. He's going to write your name on the list, and we're going to know how many's coming and who's coming. And if somebody backs out, Please call Cruz and let him know, and then he can make a call and tell somebody else. We're also going to try this this Sunday. If it goes good, we'll probably do the next thing. Um, we'll do the same thing Wednesday night, next Wednesday night. And then the next Sunday is Mother's Day, and we'll do it again. And we'll, we'll ask you to be fair. Um, don't, don't try to come to every service until we know there's openings. If you call in Sunday, please don't call in Wednesday. Or either call in Wednesday because there may be an opening, but don't call in next Sunday. And just give everybody an opportunity uh, to come be in one service 
And I think that would be awesome if you could do that. So remember this, you must wear your mask. Everybody must be wearing a mask. No touching, no hugging, no handshaking. And if you're going to visit after church, we're going to ask everybody to exit the building, go out on the parking lot and stand your six-foot distance and talk and fellowship. We don't want to do it in the building. We want to get out as quick as we can, and our building will sanitize before Wednesday night. All right, you must wear a mask. Everybody say that with me. You must wear a mask. Even our praise singers will be wearing a mask. I'll have mine. I promise you I'm not going to preach with a mask on. Uh, I will wear it when I leave here or when I come, but I'll take it off while I'm preaching. But our praise singers will come and sing, take their mask off and sing, and our musicians, and then when they go out in the crowd, they'll put their mask on. You say, that's nonsense. It may be. You may consider it ignorant, and because of that, you may not want to come, and that's your privilege. I don't have a problem with that. We did not make these rules, and I did not spread the virus. And we are blessed because our church doesn't have one person that's received the virus. And that's the way I want to keep it. Amen. The only way you can do that is be smart. Okay, now listen up. If you're a health care worker, if you work in a hospital, work in health care, you're meeting patients every day, do us a favor and don't call in. We really prefer you to stay home right now. And that's only fair. You're meeting people every day and you don't know if they have it or not. So if you're a healthcare worker and you're meeting with people every day, please don't come to church. Go ahead and stay until we get further along uh, with what our government is going to find out and whatever. Whatever the process is, we're going to take our time, and we're going to do it right. So remember, you must wear a mask the whole service. When you come on the property, get out of your car. Your mask needs to be on. When you get back in your car, if you want to take it off, that's fine. But we're asking you to do that. And just don't have body contact. And we're going to mark the seats. I'll have X's. On the seats you cannot sit on, find one with an X. We'll have a couple of rows where it'll be a, a family, like uh, their family of five, say the Beard family four can sit on, on that row, or the Vargas family or somebody like that. We'll have some areas where a couple can sit, and then we'll have some that singles can sit. We're going to try to space everybody out, and that's going to be approximately uh, 37 people. So work with us on that. Let's, let's be nice and let's be sweet. And I know some of you may not like that. But I, I personally like coming to church even if I have to wear a mask. I enjoy it. Now you may not, and that's okay. I understand that. And if you want to come, we want you to be here. And we're opening up that door this Sunday for the first 30. I don't know, your phone may already be ringing. But if you would, write them down. Here's you a list. Here's you some paper. And uh, get this, take it with you, and write them down and communicate with me. And we'll work that out. 
Thank you, Brother Gary, for coming. Always faithful in sanitizing our mics and our mic screens, washing them, sanitizing everything. And thank you, Brother Andrew, for running our media. And we just appreciate you guys so much. It is such a blessing to have a well-run, well-operating church. And you say, Brother Gandhi, you're great. And, well, let me just tell you this. I hadn't organized everything, and I don't take credit of it. We've had some good organization from people in our church that have taken the initiative. Uh, Pastor McElhaney was very good at getting organization, and I have done some myself. And we've all worked together and brought our church to what it is. We've been on uh, FaceTime Live for some time, many years now. This wasn't anything new for our church. We didn't panic and have to run out and buy equipment and learn how to use this. We've been using it for a long time. And so we're used to that, and it doesn't bother us. But things are different. But you know, God always makes a way, even in difficult situations. God always knows how. He knows how to get the message out. And truly, folks, we're preaching to more people than we've ever preached to because of FaceTime Live. We don't just preach to those that come into our building. Now we're preaching to people that sit home. And I'm not talking about our members. There are a lot of people that are not members of our church that are watching uh, FaceTime Live every day. Did I do something wrong? Is that your water? Oh, you're going, okay. Thank you. I was trying to screw the top off. You should have taken it all the way off, though. But thank you anyway. She broke the tab. I was trying to get that water lid off, and I couldn't get it. I'm dry as a gourd. Let me turn in the, your attention to Psalm chapter 78. And thank you for listening in, uh, for taking your time out of your very busy schedule. I know you guys have so much to do. Uh, one man said he had a big time deciding which chair he was going to sit in uh, for his day's activity. Another said he didn't know if he was going to sit in a chair in the living room or in the dining room. He was just, he said, I've got a lot of decisions today. And I know some of you have a lot of decisions. You, you know, you're going to uh, decide what food am I going to cook today. Our lives have changed. We don't just run out to restaurants. We don't just do the things we used to do. We're kind of confined. And I do thank you for listening. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of maturity of people that take the initiative and go to church. Even though they can't be there, they still watch it. They still participate. And I thank you for that. And I know the, the Lord thanks you for that. I know He's happy that you're doing that. All right, let's get into the Word. I have not looked at my clock. I've done spent some time talking, and uh, I don't want to go past my time. I should be through by 9.30 tonight. I, I guarantee you I will be. And it is okay. I just set my alarm. 
Psalm 78 and verse 38. And apologize for all my rambling tonight. I was just uh, kind of excited about having a, a little bigger crowd Sunday. And I hope that works right. I hope everybody uh, obeys uh, what the rules are. But he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yea, they turned back and tempted God. And notice this next word. And limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not His hand, nor the day when He delivered them from the enemy. As I was studying today, I was thinking, what am I going to call this? And I'm not one of those guys that has to have great titles. Uh, I say so much good stuff in my messages that it doesn't have to have a good title. Get it? Get it? So I, I don't have to have a great title. A lot of guys think they got a great title. They've said a lot. Most of the time they got a great title. They don't say much. Whether I got a title or not, I say wonderful things. And everybody said amen. Come on, some of you shout amen at home. Thank you. A little louder. I'm, I'm teaching on this subject tonight. tonight. God is not limited. And everybody say, unless. God is not limited unless. And I know you're thinking, what in the world is the unless? I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today. You can be seated. In verse 41, yea, they turned back and tempted God. How could they tempt God? Now, tempting God, it was not them trying to get God to do evil. Uh, it wouldn't do any good. God could never do evil, never do wrong, never do anything sinful or bad. They were trying to test God because they remembered not his hand. In other words, they forgot everything that God had done for them from Egypt until that very moment that this Bible is talking about. It just seems like every time Israel would be blessed, time and time again they would be blessed and God would do miracles. And Lord have mercy, I've thought about it. If I would have crossed that Jordan River on dry land, see the Lord part that, that ocean and, and just cause the cloud and the, and the wind to blow and, and all the events that took place for them crossing that 
uh, Red Sea, uh, leaving Egypt, and then watching the army of, or the nation of Israel go across that sea, and then Pharaoh and his army chased them and watching that water come down and drown every one of his army. Now, I, I know people would say this, and probably every one of you say, if I would have seen that, I'd never doubt God. How many of you could kind of say, yeah, probably I feel that way. Just kind of be honest. I, I do. I feel that way. How many of y'all be honest? You five or six there. Just giving me a good old Pentecostal nod. Okay. Who, who said that? Was that? Okay. Thank you, Brother Chris. I, how about you at home? Do you feel that way? If you had been there and watched that, you'd have crossed uh, there and saw that army destroyed, you, you're probably thinking, boy, ooh, I believe God. And that's human nature. We all think, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be a believer from now on. But you know, it wasn't long until things started happening and got kind of dry and didn't have enough water and they started gripping, started complaining. Another time they didn't have enough food and again they started gripping and complaining. And the Lord was feeding them every night with some of the best holy bread you ever can imagine eating. And then the Lord had to perform a miracle and let Moses take his rod and smite the rock and all of a sudden gushing out of that rock enough water for all of Israel and all their cattle and everything. And then he even sent quail knee deep into their camp. All these miracles. And they saw them. And it's the same people that were probably thinking like you and I admitted we probably would feel that I would never be a doubter after seeing what I, what I saw crossing that Red Sea. But it didn't take long until they started doubting. And you know, we Pentecostals the same way. We see a drunk come in. His life is a mess. His marriage is a mess. He spent time in prison. He's on probation. Can't get a job. And everything is a mess. And then we see God give him the Holy Ghost and get baptized in Jesus' name. And instantly we start seeing changes that we know without a doubt that God is working in that man's life. We've seen it. We've had people in our church that that's happened to. It happened in my church uh, in Oil City, Louisiana, a number of times. Alcoholics and every kind of life, drugs and you name it. Spent years in prison and God miraculously changed them. And boy, it's like when that happens, I'll never be a doubter again. And then life goes on a few months and I've done forgot everything that God has done. So God is not limited. We know that. We know God is not limited in any way. But we can limit God by our forgetting what God has done for us and forgetting what He said He was going to do for us. We begin to doubt and we lose faith and we limit God. The word limit is only used two times in the entire Bible. 
Once it's used in Ezekiel when God was describing the altar and the limits around it. And he was using length, a measurement. The other time was in the verse 41 of the passage that I just read to you a few moments ago. All of my life I've been taught and I do still believe that God is not limited in anything. But this verse tells us that God was limited. What was it that caused God to be limited? Israel refused to believe God's promises because of fear and lack of faith. The only way that God is ever limited to us is when we refuse to believe Him and we let fear take our faith away. God is not limited, but we humans are limited. God is only limited if we want Him or we allow Him to be limited in our personal lives. And because I choose not to believe or to allow fear to destroy everything that God has promised me does not limit God it limits me, but it stops God from doing what He would love to do because of our fear and our lack of faith. So we can limit God by choice. God is omnipresent. Now, that means He's everywhere at once. He's omnipotent, which means all-powerful. He is omniscient which means all-knowing. So if God is all of that, and He definitely is, how can there be things in which God is limited? How can there be things that God cannot do? When we say God has limitations... We do not mean that God has weaknesses or imperfections or shortcomings. But it means that God has boundaries or borders He has established for Himself. No one has ever limited God. The angels did not limit God. The devil did not limit God and did not restrain him or place any perimeters that God cannot cross. But because of God's great love, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, and His faithfulness, He has set His own boundaries that He will not cross. Those boundaries were established from the beginning of time, and they will never change. They are forever established in the Word of God. First of all, we know that God cannot fail. He will never let you down. He will never fail or disappoint you. 
Well, I got to almost shout when I got to study in this today. He will never break down or burn out. He will never go under. He will never go bankrupt. He will never go out of business. He will never fall short. He will never miss the mark. He will never go on the blink. He will never diminish, dwindle, or decline. That will never happen to God. Deuteronomy 31 and 6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth go, doeth go with thee, or doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 3, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Hallelujah. The second thing we notice about God, God cannot lie. You and I can. You and I probably have. You and I shouldn't. You and I get in trouble when we lie. But we shouldn't lie. God cannot lie. You and I can or can't, but God just cannot. Hebrews 6 and 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible. Everybody say impossible. That means it's not probable. It's not a possibility. It's not a thought. It's not maybe, could be. It is impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So God cannot lie because He is truth. Not only does He tell the truth, He is truth. Psalms 105, for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. If God cannot lie, his word, the Bible, must be the truth. If it's the truth, that means that heaven is real, that hell is real, that the second coming of the Lord is real, that eternity is real, and we need to realize that God is not lying about that. It is the truth. We are going to live forever, and we need a Savior Jesus Christ is that Savior, the only begotten Son of the living God. Without Jesus, there is no way to heaven. 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. If God cannot lie, then we can believe and trust in His Word. 
We can receive healing for our bodies. We can receive deliverance. We can have hope and assurance that he will meet all of our needs according to his riches in glory because God cannot lie. It must be the truth. If God cannot lie, he will keep his promises. That means you can count on God. You can totally rely on God and depend upon him. You can fully and comprehensively trust in God because he cannot lie. The third thing about God, that he cannot leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13 and 5, I will never leave thee. Jesus is speaking here. It's red letter. Nor forsake thee. He said that. He made that statement referring to it. What is it that God cannot leave or forsake us? Why is that? Because he can't lie. He promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. He will not turn his back upon us. He will not disown us. He will never abandon us. He won't give up on us. He will not renounce us. He will not redraw, withdraw his companionship with us. And no matter how many friends may turn their backs on you and walk away, I'm saying to you, uh, God will never turn his back upon you and walk away from you. You may walk away from God. God, but he'll not walk away from you. People will disappoint you. People will, will give up on you. People will disown you and leave you standing all alone. But God will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will keep you. He will sustain you. He will preserve you. He will take care of you. He will tend and look after you and watch over you every moment of your life. Somebody ought to be getting excited tonight in this coronavirus mess that's going around. Somebody ought to wake up and realize I'm serving a God that has all power and might and he's going to take care of me. Hallelujah. The fourth thing that I want to bring out, God cannot slumber or sleep. We can. A lot of times I've seen people go to sleeping on me while I was preaching. And I've never pulled out a gun and pulled it on them and said, wake up or I'll shoot you. I've never done that. I've never, never got mad and wanted to beat them up or kick them out of the church. And you say, why, Pastor? Because I've gone to sleep myself in church before. Sometimes you just can't help it. Sometimes you burn the candle at both ends. Sometimes you stay up too late. You work hard, and there's really nothing you can do about it. And sometimes you're just fooling around, acting goofy and acting stupid and don't sleep. And, and then you come to church and, and go to sleep on God, and I'm sure he's not happy about that. And Pastor ain't either, if that ever happens. And I'm watching you five, six real close here. Can't watch you guys at home, but I wish I could. Psalms 121, not really. 
4, I, I don't want to, no, no. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber or sleep. God is never exhausted. He's never weary. He's never inattentive. He never closes his eyes on the condition of his people or on the wants and needs of our world. But remember that we can limit God by doubting him and not trusting him with our lives. The Jewish people limited God because of the little faith that they had in God. They forgot all the miracles that God did for them so quickly. We may not like to admit it, but we're not much different. We limit Him with the calendar. We desire Him in our church services, but we lock Him out the rest of our week. Or we lock Him away in our sanctuaries thinking the only place that He touches our lives is in the church building. How many times have you heard someone who has not attended church in a long time say, well, the reason I don't come, if I walked in there, the ceiling would fall in. As if God were at a particular address waiting for them to show up. It's not that way at all. God is not in the building waiting for you to come. He shows up when we invite Him into our presence. Where two or three are gathered in His name. When two or three begin to worship. And I'm seeing that more prevalent today than ever before because I'm feeling just as much Holy Ghost tonight and these other nights with four or five people sitting out here as I felt with a whole church. You don't have to have a church full to have church. You don't have to have a house full to have a move of God. You don't have to have a house full to feel God. I'm feeling him right now. Woo! The fifth thing the lack of faith limited the miracle-working power of Jesus in Nazareth. In Mark 6, verse 5, it tells us, Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Matthew's account was like this. I'm reading in the New King James Version. It says, Now he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. Both of them said basically the same thing. Both gospel accounts witness to the fact that the unbelief that prevailed in the hearts of the people of Nazareth hindered the miraculous, the miracle-working power of the Lord Jesus. The reason was they considered Him just to be the carpenter's son. 
They only considered him to be literally a man just like everybody else because they knew him. They saw him grow up. Many of them were aware of who he was and so he was limited in their midst and could do very little because of their unbelief. All of us have limits and every one of us our limitations are different but we all have them every one of us are limited in some ways i've read how animal trainers would take a young elephant elephant and they would chain his leg to an iron post that was cemented in the ground while he was young they would chain that elephant to that post and it was so deep in the ground it was in concrete and the young elephant would try to pull the post loose and he would try to pull away from the chain and he would try and he would try and he would try and finally he would realize I can't get loose and as the young elephant grows and is trained for the circus he finally gets to a point that they would just chain him to a wooden post that they would drive with a hammer into the ground. And when the elephant was brought out, they would tie the chain around his leg as before. And the elephant would tug a little bit and he wouldn't pull. He had the ability to pull that post up from the ground it was not cemented it would have been very easy but he thinks the wooden post is that steel post in concrete and he realizes that I cannot pull this up I can't get loose and so he he is satisfied with the fact that I can't a sure sign of maturity in our lives is when we know we have limitations. I am limited and you are also. We change and we grow into our lives in spite of those limitations. All of us grow and we mature into adulthood. And there are three times that people uh, will change in their lives. We're all going to change and all of us are going to mature and all of us are going to grow. And you and I will change three times when they hurt enough that they have to change. When they learn enough, they want to change. And when they receive enough that they're able to change. All of us had have, have had wrong responses to the limitations that we have. We are limited by our comparison with others. A man named Quentin Crisp made this statement. He said, don't ever try to keep up with the Joneses. Just drag them down to your level. It's a lot cheaper. And it is. Why do we let people with money intimidate us? 
We may not be like them, but enjoy what you have and be blessed with what God has given you. And if you can do better, do it. But if you can't, don't think you have to be like the rich. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, oh, in, in the NLT version, says, Oh, don't worry. I wouldn't dare say that I am as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are but they are only comparing themselves with each other and measuring themselves by themselves. And it says, what foolishness? We cannot compare ourselves among ourselves. It's very dangerous for us to live our lives that way. You are what God gave you, the abilities He gave you, who He made you, what you can do, and you are limited. But you have an unlimited God that you can turn to in the time of trouble, in the time of inadequacy. You can turn to Him and say, God, i got to have help. And I'm telling you, I have seen God show up in my life many, many times when I needed Him the most. The second thing about our limitations is we're limited by intimidation. We are bad about looking at um, other people, their churches, their talents, and their leadership, and their finances, and wish we were just like them. And if we don't have their resources, we feel intimidated. And we think we cannot be like them, so we just don't do much of anything. And it's, in, it's, in, it's, it's something that you and I need to be, be very aware of and stay away from comparing ourselves and limiting ourselves with intimidation. You'll never be as good as some people in certain things. You'll never, you'll never arrive there. You'll never accomplish the things that some people accomplish in their lives. There are certain people that have talents and abilities that for some reason they've succeeded and they've excelled and they've gone to the top of the class and I don't care how Hard you try, some people will never make it to that level. And sometimes we have to be happy and content and satisfied with the level we are, but never, ever stop depending on and asking for God's help to help you move up. We are limited by intimidation. And an old rooster dragged in an ostrich egg into the hen house. He looked at that those hens. He says, "Girls, I don't want to I don't want to intimidate you, but I just want to show you what they're doing down the street." Y'all didn't get that, did you? I hope somebody somebody laughed. That was funny. He dragged an ostrich egg. They're big, you know. Oh, forget it. It went over your heads. Y'all didn't get that. We are limited by isolation. One of the worst things we do with things that we can't control is pull away. We pull away from our friends. If we ever needed our friends, it's when things are at their worst. And our life seems upside down. 
People are lonely because they build walls instead of building bridges. And then we're limited by rationalization, which is trying to find a reason for our limitations. Many times this is just an excuse, and we end up blaming someone else. And then we're limited by frustration. The word frustration comes from the Latin word frustrate, which means in vain. A person who is frustrated feels that everything he does is in vain. Then we humans are also limited by desperation. Hope is that brief moment when you come up with a solution and then you may realize it really is not going to work. People get desperate when they get into a situation that they feel they can't get themselves out of. It may be financial, it may be a marriage relationship, it may be your health, it may be a spiritual problem, and the list could go on. Every human being is driven by something. Some people are driven by guilt. Some people are driven by worry and fear. Others are driven by insecurity. Some people are driven by anger. Some people are driven all through their life by resentment. Some by their past. Some are driven by their possessions. Others are driven by their parents. I believe that God wants us to be driven by His plan. He has a purpose for every one of our lives. The Bible teaches very clearly that God has never made anything without a purpose. Proverbs 16 and 4, The Lord hath made all things for Himself. The Living Bible says, For His own purpose all things there's a purpose for everything you are not an accident your parents may not have planned you but God did and if you're alive he has a purpose for your life and a reason for your existence And we should seek for and find that purpose and realize that God will be there and He is faithful and He will help you. He will stand by you and He will be your Savior if you will allow Him. But you got to do it because you want to. You got to do it because you love Him. If you don't, you can cause God to not be able to work in your midst. Would you stand? And those of you that are home, thank you for tuning into this Bible study tonight. And you know, we all have to be careful that we don't limit God. We've all had our good times and our bad times in our lives. Boy, you know, it, you, you can be really, really bad, down and discouraged. And man, one phone call from a certain person can change your whole day. 